असतो मद्गमय तमसो मोतिर्गमय मृत्योर्मामृतंगमय ओ लीडर्स फ्रॉम द अनरियल टू द रियल लीडर्स फ्रॉम डार्कनेस टू लाइट लीडर्स फ्रॉम डेथ टू इमोटैलिटी ओम पीस 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 बी ऑन टू अस पीस बी ऑन टू ऑल friends the subject for today's service is divine promises in the bhagavad gita in the meditation verse on the gita there is a beautiful portion which compares all the upanishads to cows and the gita to the milk that comes from the cow the essence so that means the gita is the essence of all the upanishads all the teachings contained in the upanishads you will find in the gita in a condensed form in the form of some essence and who is the consumer of the milk that comes out of the cow the meditation verse says the calf is compared to arjuna Arjuna is the calf that drinks the milk from the cow but the calf alone is not the sole consumer of milk the calf gets some portion but there are others who consume the milk who are those others sudhir bhokta sudhi dhi means buddhi su means good people whose buddhi is awakened people in whom the power of discrimination is awake such people are the consumers of this milk of gita the quintessence of the upanishads that is the gita and that is compared to this milk and everyone who has this sense of discrimination discrimination between the real and the unreal between what is moral and what is immoral and when people use this power of discrimination to organize their life in conformity with some higher ideal such people are the consumers of this milk this gita and at the end of every chapter of the gita you have a conclusion इति श्रीमद्भगवद्गीतासु उपनिषत्सु ब्रह्म विद्यायां योगशास्त्रे श्रीकृष्णाजुन संवाद सांख्ययोगो नाम द्वितीयध्याय यू फाइंड दिस ओनली द चैप्टर्स नेम गेट्स चेंज्ड एंड द नंबर ऑफ द चैप्टर आल्सो गेट्स चेंज्ड बट अदरवाइज ऑल ऑफ द डिस्क्रिप्शंस ऑफ द गीता दे आर नैरेटेड एट द एंड ऑफ एवरी चैप्टर इति श्रीमद्भगवद्गीतासु उपनिषत्सु the gita itself is compared to an upanishad brahma vidyaya the bhagavad gita is a scripture that teaches the knowledge of brahman brahma vidya yoga shastra this is a scripture of yoga the bhagavad gita is a scripture of yoga yoga means union union of the individual soul with god it teaches this union yoga also means the way to this union bhakti yoga the way of devotion karma yoga the way of selfless work raja yoga the way of contemplation gnana yoga the way of knowledge so this way is also called yoga so yoga shastra means shastra means scripture the gita is a scripture that teaches different ways to god yoga so in this scripture the supreme reality which had embodied itself in the form of shri krishna 
gave these eternal truths to all humanity through Arjuna. And the speciality of this scripture is, it is universally valid for everyone. Whenever Sri Krishna says, take refuge in me, it is not just meant take refuge in me of this form, Sri Krishna. Vedanta is universal. When God says take refuge in me, God doesn't mean the external form alone. For worshippers of Sri Krishna, it is wonderful. Take refuge in Sri Krishna, it is perfectly all right. But others, followers of other faiths, worshippers of other forms of God, can also derive equal inspiration from the Gita. When a Sri Krishna says, I, he doesn't refer to the body. He refers to the Atman. So take refuge in that supreme reality. Manifest before you in whatever form that suits your temperament. That's the idea. That's the teaching given in the Gita. So followers of every religion can derive inspiration from the Gita. And Sri Ramakrishna said, the essence of the Gita is detachment, renunciation. He said, you repeat the word Gita a number of times, Gita, Gita, Gita. It soon becomes Tagi, means one who has given up. So Sri Ramakrishna says, the essential teaching of the Gita is renunciation. Give up. Give up the lower things for the highest. Give up desire, give up worldliness, give up attachment, all this, for the sake of God. That is what the Gita teaches. And in the Gita, some of the teachings that Sri Krishna gave Arjuna are in the form of imperatives. Do this, don't do this. And some of the teachings are like promises, assurances. Do this, this will happen to you. And in a particular teaching, Sri Krishna says, this is my promise to you because you are dear to me. So we'll consider today some of these divine promises in the Gita. Some of the assurances that Sri Krishna gave Arjuna and through him to all of us. Now, we'll begin with Sri Krishna's assurance, promise on knowledge, self-knowledge, knowledge of God. How knowledge is the greatest purifier. Sri Krishna says, even if you are the most sinful of sinners, yet by the raft of knowledge alone will you be borne over all sin. Even if you are the most sinful among sinners, by the raft of knowledge, self-knowledge, knowledge with a capital K, alone you will get over all your sin. This is a great promise. None is excluded from the mercy of God from the grace of God and our past is not held against us whatever be our past God's grace is ready to redeem us even the worst sinner even if you are the most sinful among sinners yet by the raft of knowledge you can get over all your sins so this great promise from the Gita should make all devotees think always of positive things Elsewhere, Sri Krishna teaches in the sixth chapter, Natmanam avasadayet. Don't belittle yourself. Don't demean yourself. I am a weakling. I am a sinner. Take this out of your life. This is not going to help us anyway. Don't say you are bad. Don't say you are weak. Don't demean yourself. Swami Vivekananda was never tired of rousing this inherent divinity in everyone. If you find one subject that runs as a connecting thread in all his teachings, his lectures, his letters, his conversations, his poems, his interviews, whatever you find in his complete works, if there is one thought that runs as a connecting thread, it is this we are all divine. 
Swami Vivekananda says, my ideal indeed can be put into a few words, and that is to preach unto mankind their inherent divinity and to make it manifest in every movement of their lives. So that's a central teaching. Knowledge, knowledge of our higher nature. Instead of dwelling on the negative aspects of our character, thinking of the strength that is already in us, waiting for its manifestation. That is Swami Vivekananda's teaching. There are so many sayings of this, but we'll just examine two of them. Teach yourself and teach everyone his real nature. Call upon the sleeping soul and see how it awakes. Power will come, glory will come, purity will come, goodness will come. Everything that is excellent will come when the sleeping soul is roused to self-conscious activity. Sleeping soul, as long as we don't manifest our divine powers, as long as we think we are limited beings endowed with just this body and mind, as long as we have this attitude, the soul is asleep. But when we manifest it, Swami Vivekananda says, power, glory, goodness, purity, everything that is excellent will come when the sleeping soul is roused to self-conscious activity. Shri Krishna says this knowledge, knowledge of our true self, is the greatest purifier. Nahi jnane na sadrsham pavitram iha vidyate There is nothing more purifying than knowledge. Elsewhere Swami Vivekananda says, What makes you weep, my friend? In you is all power. Summon up your all-powerful nature. O mighty one, and this whole universe will be at your feet. It is the self alone that predominates and not matter. So self-knowledge, thinking about the strength, energy, purity, that's our true nature. That is what is required of a spiritual seeker. And Sri Krishna assures us, his promise is there for us. Even the worst sinner can be redeemed by divine grace. Sri Ramakrishna says, if a room has been dark for thousands of years, it doesn't take that long to light up. You bring in light, darkness vanishes. Darkness of thousands of years vanishes at one stroke. That means we don't need to worry about our samskaras. All that discussion on samskaras is to make us understand that the responsibility is ours. We'll stop blaming others, blaming situations, or blaming God for our misfortune, and we'll understand that our present state of affairs is of our own making. And then go ahead, do what needs to be done now. That alone is the utility of the discussion of samskaras. So, we have faith in our higher self, faith in the purifying power of our higher self, and keep thinking of our higher nature. That is the only way to get rid of undesirable aspects of our character. Swami Vivekananda says, it's the self alone that predominates. Atmai vahi prabhuvate na jada kadachit. Jada, inert matter, this body or anything else that doesn't predominate. It's the spirit alone that triumphs. Sri Krishna says, he who is full of shraddha and devotion to God and has controlled the senses obtains knowledge. That's the second assurance, promise we get from the Gita about knowledge. This knowledge is purifying all right. How do we gain this knowledge? We need to have Shraddha, faith in ourselves, faith in the existence of divinity, faith in our true nature, faith in our capacity to realize this ideal, despite physical and mental resistance. That is Shraddha. Shraddha is not just faith, it is dynamic in nature. This dynamism means 
the shraddha keeps on inspiring our thoughts and actions until the goal is reached there is no one to ask us no one to oversee our self effort but the shraddha this noble quality which every spiritual seeker needs to possess will see through our spiritual life despite obstacles despite failure we'll once again gather ourselves and look up go forward full of shraddha and devotion to god and as control the senses these are the three requirements we should have shraddha and one point of devotion to god and we should discipline our sensory system not letting the senses and the mind run riot but reining them in the ears the skin the eyes the tongue and the nose these five sense organs bring us knowledge from the outside world they can run riot if they are not disciplined so instead of taking in anything and everything through these senses and through the mind which is the most important of these senses we need to discipline them exercise some kind of a quality control at the entry stage taken through these five sense organs and taken in the form of ideas through the mind only those things which will help us in our spiritual quest and shraddha will help us have this shraddha devotion and disciplining the sensory system now we'll see some assurances from the gita regarding work as worship we find in the gita many teachings given on work as worship but there are many more teachings on devotion we'll examine them subsequently now on work shri krishna promises that karma yoga work done as worship and sacrifice will break the bondage of work by not letting us accumulate fresh karma work can be a source of bondage In fact work is a source of bondage for many people when we don't know how to work work remains a source of bondage it binds us more and more to the world it binds us more and more to our body and mind it binds us more and more to our desire and work cannot be avoided also for an embodied being shri krishna teaches in the third chapter of the gita giving up work altogether is impossible even physical sustenance is impossible if you don't do work so some some work or other physical or mental every one of us needs to do for our physical subsistence so when work is inevitable it is wise to learn how to do work so that work doesn't remain a source of bondage but a tool for freedom Shri Krishna teaches do your work looking alike pairs of opposites pleasure pain gain loss success and failure you will thus incur no sin you will thus incur no sin that's a promise if you look upon these pairs of opposites with an equal eye whatever work you do that work will not be a source of bondage you will incur no sin means you won't gain new samskaras whatever work we do whatever thought we think consciously gives rise to a mental impression and it is the sum total of these impressions which determines what we are it determines our character why we act in a particular way why we act in a way that we know is not good despite knowing that it is not good why do we act in a particular way it's all accounted for by our impressions which we have gathered with our actions with our thoughts not only in this life but in any number of lives before this so these samskaras determine our character shri krishna says if you learn to work looking upon these pairs of opposites alike 
then you won't gain new samskaras. That's the way to gain freedom, freedom from work. And these pairs of opposites, he mentions these three, sukha, dukkha, that means pleasure and pain, and then laba, alaba, gain and loss, and jaya, ajaya, success and failure. Pleasure, pain, gain and loss, success and failure. These are just indicative, not exhaustive. These pairs of opposites characterize life in the world. Praise, blame, heat, cold, everything. These things alternate with clockwork precision in our lives. We wonder when misery strikes us, why, why should this happen to me? We don't ask the same question when something good happens to us. Why should this happen to me? We take it for granted. Good should happen to me. If some bad happens to me, why? And we start looking for causes outside. Because of him, because of her, because of these circumstances. I didn't do any bad to anyone, yet why should this happen to me? If I don't find anyone to lay the blame on, why should God be so cruel to me? That's the human tendency. Anything good happens to me, I deserve it. Anything bad happens to me, the rest of the world is cruel. Sri Krishna says good and bad, they characterize life in this world. Success and failure, part of life. Gain and loss, part of life. Praise and blame, part of life. For everyone who praises us in our friend, we can be sure there will be at least two behind us blaming us. Praise makes us puffed up. Blame, we become crestfallen. If there is a blame, if there is criticism, if there is any value in that criticism, let me reflect on that. If I have to correct myself, let me do it. And if the criticism is unfounded, I should learn to leave it alone, not lose my sleep over it. So these pairs of opposites, if we learn to cultivate this equipoise, not being attached to one and loathing the other, but trying to take them as they come, not seeking one to the exclusion of the other, then we are on the right track. Swami Vivekananda puts it beautifully. Happiness comes to us wearing a crown of sorrow on its head. So these are inevitable. So to seek one to the exclusion of the other is just foolishness. When people seek heaven in the afterlife, it is only this tendency manifesting itself. Even if I want only pleasure, pain comes to me uninvited. So I look forward to an afterlife in which there will be only enjoyment, no misery, no disease, no pain, no diet restrictions, no restrictions on any kind of enjoyment. That is the idea of heaven in, in the minds of people who don't know any better. Vedanta says, heavens are there, hell is also there, but they are not permanent. You go to heaven and after the merits of your actions, the samskaras which permitted our entry into heaven, when they run out, we need to come back here to this earth. So heavens are not permanent. So what's important is to accept these pairs of opposites as inevitable and try to grow in devotion to God in the midst of all this, not waiting for some kind of calmness and then we'll start worshipping God. There is a beautiful verse in Sanskrit which underlines the folly of such attitude. I'll wait for all my responsibilities to be over. I'll wait for all my problems to be solved before I call on God. Such a person is like a fool who thinks he'll wait for all the waves in the ocean to subside before he'll go and take a dip in it. These things never happen. Some problem or other, some responsibility or other, we always have them. And these things don't diminish with age until we learn to work on our mind. So taking these pairs of opposites 
with equal i we can ensure that sin doesn't accrue to us we don't gather new impression shri krishna says further about work work done as spiritual practice saves you from great fear there is no waste of unfinished attempt and there is no production of contrary results so work as spiritual practice spiritual practice itself is some kind of work just as we are to do work as worship and cultivate detachment from the outcome of work we need to do a spiritual practice also with the selfless attitude god is not going to appear before me because i spent so many hours in meditation in japa so after 2 years after 3 years he is going to appear before me that doesn't happen god will reveal himself to me when the time is ripe by god's grace but there is no doubt about it there is no uncertainty about it so we need to do our spiritual practice regularly enthusiastically with this selfless attitude at the end of our spiritual practice we offer the worship our spiritual practice our japa to god and pray for devotion we are not supposed to appropriate even that to ourselves so selflessness shri krishna says here work done as spiritual practice saves you from great fear स्वल्पमप्यस्य धर्मस्य त्रायते महतो भयात् इवन एन आउंस ऑफ प्रैक्टिस स्पिरिचुअल प्रैक्टिस सेव्स यू फ्रॉम ग्रेट फियर एंड ही आल्सो सेज हियर देयर इज नो वेस्ट ऑफ अनफिनिश्ड अटेम्प्ट नेहा विक्रमनाशोस्ति अनफिनिश्ड अटेम्प्ट इन केस ऑफ रिचुअल्स द वर्क पोर्शन ऑफ द वेदर्स you do some sacrifice some fire rituals with some desire in mind so when you do some fire ritual there is so much a paraphernalia to be taken into account so many things to be organized mantras to be uttered precisely a little difference in the intonation here and there we could get just a reverse effect and you start something and stop halfway the whole thing goes to waste that is what is called abhikramanasha no such thing in spiritual practice shri krishna assures us every step you take in your spiritual life is a permanent advance that's a great source of inspiration none other than the lord has mentioned work done as spiritual practice saves us from great fear and there is no waste of unfinished attempt or there is no production of contrary results pratyavayo na vidyate that's another important teaching pratyavaya means incurring sin for non performance of spiritual practice shri krishna himself demolishes this mimamsaka idea shri shankaracharya also demolishes this in no uncertain terms in his commentary on the taittiriya upanishad non performance of something cannot give rise to something that was part of the philosophy of mimamsakas who wanted people to be bound to rituals karmakanda you make this fire rituals fire sacrifice they called it nitya karma obligatory duties you do this you do this regularly nothing is going to happen to you if you do it selflessly you will gain purification of mind if you don't do you will incur sin that was the great teaching great within quotes of the mimamsakas shri krishna demolishes that here pratyavayo na vidyate if you don't do something nothing negative is going to come to you you are going to miss whatever positive you would have received by performance of that that is the simplest truth non performance of something cannot give rise to something absence of something cannot give rise to the presence of something 
That's a great promise made by none other than the Lord himself. So work done as spiritual practice saves us from great fear. There is no waste of unfinished attempt and there is no accrual of sin, contrary results. Therefore, always do without attachment the work you have to do for a man who does his work without attachment attains the supreme. That's the next promise. Whatever work we need to do, it's not necessarily work connected with worship. Whatever we do, if we do it without attachment, it leads us to the supreme. And elsewhere, Sri Krishna says in the fifth chapter, he who works without attachment, resigning his actions to Brahman, is untainted by sin as a lotus leaf by water. So these are certain promises that Sri Krishna makes regarding work, work as worship. Yet we have not come to work as worship, that will come later, under devotion. This is working without attachment. Without attachment to work, without attachment to the fruits of action. If we do selflessly, we are sure to reach the Supreme. And now we'll see some promises that Sri Krishna makes about mind control and about ethical disciplines. Arjuna wants to know from Sri Krishna how to control this mind. A question as relevant as it was during his time. This mind is obstinate. This mind is fickle. This mind is restless. Controlling this mind, says Arjuna, is like controlling wind. How to control this mind? Such a great archer who was known for his skill in archery, he could shoot at a revolving target, revolving above, looking at its reflection in a pool of water below. He was such an expert. That was the contest he had to participate in to win the hands of Draupadi. So such a, an embodiment of concentration that Arjuna also had this problem to deal with the mind. The mind is obstinate, the mind is fickle, the mind is restless. To control this mind, I think, is to control wind. Sri Krishna says, the mind is fickle, the mind is obstinate. But, Sri Krishna assures us, this mind can be controlled by two things, practice and detachment. Repeated practice, what we believe to be right, what we believe will take us to the Supreme. Doing it, the mind won't let us do it. That is the most important thing. But doing it, whether the mind lets us or not, that is practice. Repeatedly fixing the mind on God, practice. Repeatedly reigning in the mind while doing work, not letting the mind going away wherever it wants, but reining it in and fixing it on the work in hand. That is practice. So this repeated practice and detachment. Detachment from everything that doesn't help me in the realization of the goal. I cannot afford to be devoted to anything and everything under the sun and be devoted to God at the same time. In fact, when I cultivate real love for God, other things fall off by themselves. Sri Ramakrishna says, the more you move toward the east, the more the west is left behind. In fact, that's the only way. There's a practical way to cultivate detachment, to gain purity of mind, to grow in devotion to God. The more we move toward the East, that is God, the more the West is left behind. That means the more the mind, the senses and the body and the claims they make on us, they recede from us. 
So that is Sri Krishna's assurance. This mind can be controlled by practice and detachment. Another promise that Sri Krishna makes is in the 16th chapter. The man who has escaped the three gates of darkness practices what is good for himself and thus goes to the goal supreme. The man who has escaped the three gates of darkness, Tamodwara, three gates of darkness, practices what is good for himself and thus goes to the goal supreme. What are these three gates of darkness? You find it in the preceding verse, 1621. Shri Krishna says, Lust, anger and greed. These are the threefold gateway to hell, darkness. Not in the afterlife, right in this life. We can make our own life a hell. We can make others' lives also a hell. Because of these three. Lust, anger and greed. They certainly take us to hell. That's why in the next verse Sri Krishna says, The man who has escaped these three gates of darkness practices what is good for himself, what is good for his higher self, and thus goes to the goal supreme. This addressing desire, anger and greed, disciplining the sensory system, disciplining the mind, this is a fundamental teaching in the Gita. The Gita or any true scripture for that matter doesn't mince matters. No scripture worth its name will say, you have all your desires intact, be completely attached to the world, yet your kundalini will rise or you will see God. There may be people who can sell their wares with this, this kind of a teaching. And it suits us, we are prepared to pay for this teaching because this teaching accounts for my weakness, let me be weak as I was before and yet there is a promise. Someone promises us, yet your kundalini will rise, yet you will realize the truth and all that. So whatever caters to my weakness, I am happy with it. I am prepared to pay for it, such teachings. But no scripture worth its name makes any compromise on this. You either go toward the east, be where you are, or go toward the west. Be devoted to the world, leave God alone, or be devoted to God, learn to leave the world alone. We cannot have both the legs in two different boats and then hope to sail. So Sri Krishna makes it very clear, lust, anger and greed. These three form the triple gateway to hell. Those who have escaped from these gates, they do good to themselves and they go to the goal supreme. Now we'll see some important promises that Sri Krishna makes about devotion, about the way of devotion, Bhakti Yoga. First and foremost, speaking of Maya, life in the world, Sri Krishna says, this divine Maya of mine, composed of the three gunas, is difficult to fathom. It's hard to cross this Maya. But those who worship me get over this Maya. Only those who worship me, Mameva ye prapadyante. Only those who worship me can get over this Maya. Again, here, me does not mean just Krishna. Those who worship Krishna will be liberated, everyone else will go to hell. Such an idea can never be in Hinduism, never be in Vedanta. That's why worshippers of any god, if they worship that god to the exclusion of everything else, we are assured of freedom. We can escape from the bondage of the world. So those who worship me, they will get over this maya. And Sri Krishna says elsewhere, in the 8th chapter, with your mind and buddhi absorbed in me, you will certainly come to me. 
your mind and buddhi absorbed in me actually that is the second part of this important verse with your mind and buddhi absorbed in me you will certainly come to me but what is the first part that's a teaching not a promise but the teaching but after the teaching comes this promise what is the teaching therefore at all times remember me and fight remember me constantly and fight tasmat sarveshu kaleshu at all times mam anusmara anusmara means constantly remember me at all times constantly remember me and fight fight the battle of life fight shri krishna told arjuna because fighting was his duty arjuna developed cold feet seeing all his relatives his venerable guru all of them before him in the battlefield so shri krishna had to rouse him to do his duty without attachment so remember me and fight means remember me and fight the battle of life every one of us has to fight fight with the mind fight with the body fight with the environment outside our life is a continuous struggle when the struggle stops we stop growing we remain identified with the mind identified with the body and lead programmed lives programmed by our own samskaras so as long as this struggle is present human life it becomes meaningful swami vivekananda says man is man so long as he struggles against nature the maharaj of khetri in india he was a great king khetri is a place in a state called rajasthan so this maharaj of khetri was a disciple of swami vivekananda the disciple once asked his guru what is life swami's definition was this life is the unfoldment and development of a being under circumstances which tend to press it down circumstances tending to press it down development and unfoldment of a being under circumstances tending to press it down who is that being we are that being it's not about someone else it's about me it's about every one of us being means what that soul not the body not the mind the divinity inherent in us tries to manifest itself under circumstances which tend to press it down we are pressed down by circumstances beginning from our mind and body circumstances we think outside outside of the body our own mind our own samskaras are the circumstances which prevent the divinity inherent in us from manifesting itself our own samskaras prevent us from practicing spiritual discipline so the resistance is right within there are external obstacles too yet we struggle against all this life is the unfoldment and development of a being under circumstances which tend to press it down so it's a struggle it's a continuous struggle and the struggle is possible only for human beings animals cannot struggle animals can struggle for existence struggle for food might is right survival of the fittest animal kingdom but in man in human beings alone is possible the struggle for consciousness struggle for devotion so as long as that struggle is in our being we can be sure that our life will become meaningful so that is fight that is struggle shri krishna says in the struggle you are not alone remember me always constantly and fight because we can be intimidated by the resistance the mind offers by the obstacles we encounter but shri krishna assures us assert yourself remember me always the higher self and fight we remember what swami vivekananda said why do you weep my friend 
in you is all power. Bring forth that hidden power in you, and the whole world will be at your feet. So that's that's a great promise that Sri Krishna makes. And here in this verse, in 1865, Sri Krishna gives a set of disciplines to follow, and ends it with a promise. Fix your mind on me. Be devoted to me. Worship me. Bow down to me. So will you come to me. This is my promise to you. For you are dear to me. Pratijane priyosime. Priyosime priya. You are dear to me. Pratijane. I promise. Pratijna. That's a word in Sanskrit. In a few other Indian languages, pratijane means I promise. I promise this to you. Fix your mind on me. Be devoted to me. Worship me. Bow down before me. So, will you come to me? This is my promise to you. For you are dear to me. So, this set of disciplines for a devotee, fixing the mind on God, thinking about God. meditating on god repeating god's name praying to god bringing god in the midst of our everyday activities not letting the mind choose where we need to go but filling the mind with noble thoughts when we do that when we are steadfast in our spiritual practices when we are devoted to god when we worship god when we bow down before god we will certainly come to god that's a great promise and shri krishna uses the word promise here this is my promise to you for your dear to me and then comes another promise offer everything to god and you will be free from the bondage of work shri krishna says who offers me with devotion a leaf a flower a fruit or water a leaf a tulsi leaf or when we offer to shiva a bell leaf and this water we don't need to make costly offerings to god in case we cannot afford it pure water offering to god god accepts this offering he says whosoever offers me with devotion a leaf a flower a fruit or water that i accept the pious offering of the pure in heart that's again an assurance god accepts our offering provided it is made with devotion with love for god not as some kind of a what swami vivekananda would call shopkeeping religion not some kind of a barter you give me this i'll give you this that's how most of the time we start our our devotion to god we pray to god for some help and we tell god you please give me this when he say shopkeeping swami vivekananda uses a very strong term but that's natural in many people to show our gratitude to god but here we offer to god just out of love for god we offer to god and partake of the food we take as some kind of a sacrament from god so shri krishna says offer even these offerings insignificant offerings if they are made with a pure heart and with devotion i accept them so that that's a promise and how to escape from bondage of work whatever you do whatever you eat whatever you offer in sacrifice whatever you give away and whatever you practice in the form of austerities do it as an offering to me this is some kind of an imperative the promise comes in the next verse thus you will become free from the bondage of actions which bear good or evil results with your mind firmly set on the yoga of renunciation you will become free and come to me when we learn to do work 
do whatever we do as an offering to god whatever you do eat whatever you give away whatever austerities you perform whatever offerings you make in a sacrifice shri krishna says do it as an offering to god spiritualize your everyday activity when you do that you will escape from the bondage created by work you will be free from both good and evil effects of work when we do work prompted by desire that work leaves an impression in us when we don't do it prompted by desire but offer the fruits of actions to god we don't gain new impressions nor do the existing impressions get deepened we grow in detachment and we grow in devotion and every good action can bear some kind of evil effect also we don't know unknowingly the good we may do may give rise to some bad somewhere that bad will not affect us provided we are not attached to the good also shri krishna says when you do it as an offering to god you will be free from both good and evil effects of work some people have this question in mind someone asks for some help i give them some money and they squander it away in something evil they drink with it or gamble with that money or do something else that karma the karma of their action the fruit of their action their action itself was possible because of the money i gave them so do i also not have to partake of the evil effect of their action the answer is yes provided you have done it out of attachment you have done it out of some expectation oh by this gift i'll gain some spiritual merit if you do it with this attitude you will also accrue the sin accruing out of that person's bad action but if you have done it as an offering to god without any expectation neither the good nor the evil affects us that's a great teaching that shri krishna gives if you have the capacity to give give that's all no more thought about it god has given me the capacity to give physically mentally intellectually spiritually whatever gifts i can make make a gift as an offering to god and no more thought about it so if your gift gives rise to some evil effect in some person you can stay clear of it provided you follow this teaching so the teachings in the gita they are so simple so straightforward no mystery so whatever we do if we do it as an offering to god we escape from the bondage of work and from both evil and good effects of work and doing work as worship will lead us to the highest perfection that promise we get in the 18th chapter of the gita this is an important verse shri krishna says by worshiping him from whom all beings proceed and by whom the whole universe is pervaded by worshiping him through the performance of duty does a man attain perfection unequivocal very clear promise that shri krishna makes in the gita yatah pravrittir bhutanam yena sarvam idam tatam swakarmana tam abhyarchya swakarmana by one's own work tam abhyarchya worshiping that reality siddhim vindati manavah siddhi perfection that's a great promise shri krishna makes the gita is full of such inspiration we need to study these these teachings especially and that will give us the fuel for our spiritual practice that will give us the enthusiasm for our spiritual practice that will bring about more of steadfastness and then speaking of uh, devotion the transforming power of devotion shri krishna makes this promise we saw earlier shri krishna making a promise about the purifying power of knowledge there he said even if you are the most sinful among sinners 
Yet, by the raft of knowledge, you will get over all your sin. That was about knowledge. This is about pure devotion. Both of which ultimately are the same. Now about this promise about devotion. Even if the most sinful man worships me with unswerving devotion, he must be regarded as righteous. For he has formed the right resolution. Even if the most sinful man worships me with unswerving devotion, he must be regarded as righteous. For he has formed the right resolution. Right resolution. That's important. This resolution is a quality of the will, buddhi. Rightly result, whatever be my past, even if you are the most sinful person that is there, that holds out hope to everyone. There is nothing like eternal condemnation in Vedanta. No one is beyond redemption. So Sri Krishna says, he is rightly resolved. That resolution is important. I will worship God and I will try to be unswerving in my devotion to God. I will leave everything alone. Sri Ramakrishna says, we should make some kind of a contract with God. God, I might have done bad things before, but I won't repeat them. Sri Ramakrishna never even once said about sin, oh, these are your bad aspects of your character, this is not, not possible for you, nothing. No negative teaching you find in Sri Ramakrishna's teachings, Swami Vivekananda's teachings, Holy Mother's teachings. Same thing in the Gita. No eternal condemnation. No one is beyond the pale of redemption, beyond God's grace. So right resolution, Sri Ramakrishna says, I might have done questionable things in the past, but I will not repeat them. Make that resolution, make that resolve and stick to it. You don't need to worry about what happened earlier, but I won't do it again. And stick to it. And if you are sincere about it, Sri Ramakrishna assures us, we will reach the goal. God himself will put us on the right track, even if we stray, provided we are sincere. And Sri Krishna says in the next verse, here he said, such a person has rightly resolved. In the next verse he says, there comes the promise. He soon becomes righteous and attains eternal peace. Kshipram bhavati dharmatma shashvat chantim nigachati. He becomes dharmatma. Such a person who has rightly resolved to worship God with unswerving devotion, he soon becomes righteous and attains eternal peace. Now comes the promise. Proclaim it boldly, O Arjuna, that my devotee never perishes. We cannot find anything more inspiring from the Gita. My devotee never perishes. Anyone who is devoted to God will never perish. There is no negative influence. There is nothing that can hold such a person back. There is no hell. There is no condemnation. Proclaim it boldly. My devotee never perishes. And here, Sri Krishna assures that he will always protect a devotee who has given his heart and soul to him. Those who worship me, never harboring any other thought, that means one-pointed devotion to the ideal. Those who worship me, never harboring any other thought, and ever devoted to me, to them I carry what they lack and for them I preserve what they already have. Yoga kshemam baham yaham. Yoga means what I already have. Now yoga means what they lack. What we lack, the Lord carries it for us. The Lord will provide. Provided our mind is completely united with God and we worship God with unswerving devotion. Those who worship me, never harboring any other thought and ever devoted to me, to them I carry what they lack and for them I preserve what they already have. What we already have that is called Kshema, 
preservation of that. And then we find in the 18th chapter, Sri Krishna assuring us that devotion to God will bring us eternal peace. Take refuge in Him alone with all your soul. By His grace will you gain supreme peace and the everlasting abode. And then we have the most important verse from the Gita, Sarvadharman Parityajya, 1866. Sri Krishna says, Abandon all dharmas and come to me alone for shelter. I will deliver you from all sins. Do not grieve. Now, abandon all dharmas, righteous and unrighteous action, giving up both. The non-dual philosophy, the Advaitic interpretation is give up all karma and be devoted to God. Then you will be released from all sin. Don't worry. That's because in Advaita philosophy, Sri Shankara's philosophy, knowledge and work can never combine. He was very, very clear about it. Every time he got a chance in his commentary, he would make it very clear. He would assert the supremacy of knowledge and would never allow any trace of karma or anything else in that because knowledge of God, knowledge of the Atman is free of anything. That's also because we don't gain the knowledge of the Atman because of anything. It is not the result of something. We do spiritual practice which is work and therefore Atman comes into being. That doesn't happen with the Atman. The Atman, the spirit is always existing. And what our actions do is purify the mind. When the mind is purified, the truth shines of itself. So that way, action and knowledge cannot be combined. So, Shishankara says, give up both righteous actions, unrighteous actions, take refuge in God. But you have a devotional interpretation in Sri Ramanuja's commentary. Giving up of all dharmas means... While practicing Karma Yoga, Jnana Yoga, Bhakti Yoga, in short, while practicing your spiritual disciplines, give up the sense of agency, give up attachment to work, and give up attachment to the fruits of actions. These three kind of Tyaga, giving up attachment to work. This is my work. Well, that is necessary. This is my work. This problem is before me. I have to analyze the problem, I have to do it, that much is right. So once I have analyzed how to go about it, I don't need to be really worried. This has come before me, right? This is my work in a way, right? But I don't need to make too much of it. And then give up the sense of agency. I am the doer. That again, we don't give it up just like that. We have that sense of agency. But gradually, gradually, Sri Krishna says, learn to work as an instrument. Nimitta matram bhava sachin. Learn to work as an instrument in the hands of God. So give up attachment to work. Give up attachment to your sense of agency. I am the doer. Third, give up attachment to the fruits of action. So this threefold attachment. Give up. So give up all these and take refuge in me. Thus, I will deliver you from all sins. Do not grieve. That means we don't, we don't give up all our actions. Nor is it possible. As spiritual seekers, we have our duty. We have to do spiritual practice. We have our everyday responsibilities. So Sri Krishna says, do all that. But staying clear of these three attachments. Attachment to work, attachment to the fruits of work, and attachment to yourself. That means sense of agency. When you give up these three and work, taking refuge in God, God will release us from all sin and do not grieve. So these are inspiring promises in the Gita. Promises which have been validated in the lives of so many saints and sages. So the Gita is not some kind of a, just a theoretical scripture. It is a scripture of devotion, devotion to God. It is a scripture of uh, detachment. It is a scripture that teaches how to reach God, Yoga Shastra. 
So the points we discussed today, very briefly, we saw how to do work is worship. We saw several promises in the Gita, some promises related to the purifying power of knowledge, and then how to do work is worship. Doing work is worship without attachment leads us to the highest goal. And then we saw some promises about mind control. Mind control and the need to stay clear of three things, lust, anger, and greed, which form the triple gateway to hell. And then we saw the value of devotion and self-surrender. And in devotional disciplines, in Sri Krishna's promises concerning devotion, one thing is very clear. When we are unswerving in our devotion to God, we are sure to attain eternal peace and our oneness with God. Thank you.